0: This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Buckelow. Welcome, everyone, to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you for joining us on a new episode. And it's always a joy to just come to you guys and spend our Tuesday with you uh, and just listening to Testimony of Salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, just a quick reminder, as I always do on every episode... Uh, We would love to stay connected with you guys. And the way that we can do that is by following us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can find the link on the show notes and it will take you directly to our accounts and also subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified whenever we release a new episode. And again, you can find uh, the link on the show notes. And I'm just so grateful Uh, Just for the blessing that it is to be here every Tuesday listening to a testimony. And I know this episode was recorded actually the day after I share. Well, not the day after, but the same week uh, when I share my testimony. And it was just really... If you listen to to my uh, testimony, it was on episode one, and it was just really interesting to be sitting on the guest seat. And I just want to thank my husband for joining me on that episode. I know you're going to be hearing this a little bit later on, but actually it was just recorded just a couple of days or maybe a day after my episode. But it was really interesting just to be on the guest seat. So I know now what people go through. And I'm looking at my husband right now. (laughs) He did such a wonderful job. I guess you guys probably agree, right? hope I can have him back to host again another episode. (laughs) But um, no, guys, it was just a wonderful. I know that I'm like taking this time to talk about it because we have pre-recorded all the other episodes that you probably have listened to or or will be listening to um, very soon. And it was just a blessing to be able to finally just share with all of you what the Lord has done in my life um, and just to 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 remember everything that the Lord has been doing in my life. And also just to see how the Lord was in every part of my life. Like even when I was his enemy, he was there protecting me and just caring for me. And uh, I think that was a great reminder for me. And I hope that that can be a good reminder for my guest today also. Absolutely. So as I do every Tuesday, we do have an, uh, another guest and his name is Mark. Welcome, Mark, to our podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the show. What an awesome privilege. I didn't think I'd be even worthy to face the camera of Arlenis <laughs> and Richards' beautiful abode and um, Andrea in the back over there. Awesome, awesome work. But thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to, to, to have you, and thank you to our friend, Andres, because yes. she was the one who told me about you. She introduced Richard and I to you, and I'm so grateful for that, and I'm looking forward for people to get to know you, a little bit about you, and Ooh. you know what you do, and well, as much as you're going to be sharing today, right? Yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> All the secrets are going to come out now. So.
0: <laughs> All the juicy details, yes. that I always say.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: No, but thank you again. And um, Mark, as I like to do with every one of our guests, I like to ask them to share about their childhood, just from your upbringing with your family, what you're raised in a believing home, and you can just take it from there. Yeah.
1: Sure. So I was hatched. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I was... Uh, she, t- she took that seriously. That's how we're going to start. Yeah. I'm
0: like, I'm getting like but, two, I think it's going to start serious. Yeah.
1: Sorry. So... Yes, I was born and actually listening to one of your previous um, uh, episodes, there was somebody that came on that grew up in or actually attended an independent fundamental Baptist church. Mm. And that's where I was kind of born and raised. And think of again, and they brought this up last time, King James only, legalistic, women don't wear pants, um, shirt and tie, all that you know, Bible thumping, hooting, hollering, you know, jumping over the pews, you know, <laughs> preaching kind of uh, a church. And okay. it was it was still, you know, good, uh, gospel-centered. It's just very conservative and old school. Mm. Uh, so that's the kind of church that I came from. And, you know, I also grew up in a military home, even though I was more scared of my mom than my dad, who was in the military. So, um, <laughs> but other than that... Um, Imagine just praying the sinner 's prayer okay. at the age of eight and being shared the gospel, Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins every all the elements were there. Mm-hmm. The only difference was the true understanding of salvation um, and the really biblical sense of mm-hmm. salvation so
0: and can you tell me a little bit about your background, where your family is from? Oh, absolutely. Where did you grow up and all yes. that?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I was born and raised in the mean streets of Bellflower. Um, and uh, it wasn't that mean. But uh, it was a fun uh, childhood because I pretty much had a turtle shell on my back. Mm-hmm. We grew up moving from North Carolina to you know, Texas and all the way, all over the place. Yeah. Andrea's from there. So yeah, we yeah. know how it goes. Uh, <laughs> my
0: brother lives there right now. Oh, yeah. really great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
1: um, and my parents were, uh, I was first gen, I'm first generation American, I guess you would call it. Um, but my parents came from the Philippines, mm-hmm. they immigrated here. And back then when the borders were a little bit more understanding, I guess, I don't know. And, they explained a lot of uh, hardships that they went through in the Philippines mm-hmm. that now we don't really tend to experience mm-hmm. nowadays. And so I would say semi-sheltered, semi-spoiled you know, spoiled life uh, mm-hmm. compared to how they grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with one brother who I found out later on that I had a brother. I didn't know I had a brother oh. until <laughs> I was uh, seven. Yeah, about 11 years old my brother was in the Philippines oh, wow. and he had to be left behind for the meantime because of uh, my parents were essentially escaping some trials and hardships that they went through in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, they end up, my dad's en- ends up becoming a ranger for uh, the 75th year in uh, the United States army oh. and uh, just absolutely proud and happy that he's the kind of hero I get to follow. Um, and, He, uh, my mother was really angry, wrote the president a letter and the department of defense actually mailed back within a week and said, uh, I'm so sorry that your son hasn't made it here yet. My, you know, I understand your husband's been serving our country. We got him a ticket. He's coming next week.
0: And that's when I found
1: out I had a brother. Yeah. So.
0: (laughs) And why didn't they tell you that you had a brother in the Philippines?
1: Maybe because I was just, dumb. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I was just oblivious to everything. I was spoiled. I was just, you know, I felt like the only child at the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. I mean, we didn't have phones during that time that would call that far. Um, you'd have to get those prepaid. I'm dating mm-hmm. myself here, but you have to get those prepaid phone cards to mm-hmm. get that through and talk to them. But their goal was hopefully within a, you know, certain amount of time they could get them over to the united states with them and yeah. it happened and yeah he's doing well he's got a family now
0: and he lives here in the states yes wow yes, ma'am. so and then are your parents then at this point in your childhood they're believers
1: absolutely the, yeah they
0: are they are so what was it like like um how were they were they teaching you the word of god like how how did they manage to you know to teach you about sin or yes. the gospel like what was it like at home
1: so growing up in my parents' home uh was full of love and reprimand but they were just as fast to love as to reprimand. Mm. And one of the things that I remember my dad enforced me and my brother to do was to read um starting in John to read 3 chapters of the Bible every single day. And we had to read it and at I will admit, when I was young, it was just a religious thing. Mm-hmm. It was just going through the motions. That, that's what we did. Yeah. Um, sooner or later, we ended up getting really close with one of the pastors, uh, Ceciliano. He passed away. And he actually, go, there's a church here in Canoga Park that that's where we would attend and we'd commute from Riverside. And there came a point in time where my dad was heavily involved in ministry and that people were trying to elect him to be the pastor of the the work there. So um, when it came down to um, the Bible in our home, it was first and foremost. I mm-hmm. like to call my parents truth seekers, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's been a blessing um, to see them growing in I guess I'll touch on that part later in my testimony mm-hmm. of how I had to kind of confront them about some things.
0: Mm. So, and then you said, then, uh, what about your teenage years? What's happening when you're a teenager? Like, are you living the Christian life oh, or man. what is it like for you in, oh, in man. those years?
1: Yes. So, I was, I guess in Spanish, uh, doble cara, <laughs> so two faced.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, it, <laughs> there, you can. Easily portray yourself, if you grow up in that environment, mm-hmm. as one, a one way, you know. And you know the do's and don'ts. I think I'm just repeating what one of your guests said last time, which is you know how to get away with things. Mm-hmm. You know, just if you say sir ma'am, immediately everybody's like, oh, this is like a really good kid, you know. <laughs> and little did they know that the horns were growing ever so greatly, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that was something that um, I battled uh, going, growing up as a teenager was practically living two lives, you know, falling to um, sexual immorality mm. and um, just uh, pride and lots of um, selfishness and then portraying amongst mm. the adults or whoever else around you that, hey, no, this is the good kid that might be a pastor one day, you know. Mm. You hear that stuff and, man, does it, you know... Um, Remind me of how wretched and sinful I still am, you know. Mm. So.
0: And so, what happens then? Like, um, did did anyone notice that you were living this two life, or how far mm-hmm. does it go in your in your life? How, how how long can you fake it? That
1: that's a great question. <laughs> and so, faking and 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 living a double standard kind of life um, mm-hmm. forced me to be become more genuine. Now. Mm-hmm. I want to make it clear is that genuinity is not Christianity in its by itself, mm-hmm. you know, because I did, uh, I mean, I would just turn away from those sins and, and just be very open and blunt with people um, and just be very open. And that's something that people appreciated, mm-hmm. you know, but that alone doesn't cover the the wretchedness within me, mm-hmm. you know? And so Eventually yes it, it will come out it will reveal itself and it's an ugly face and it's something that everybody uh should be very cognizant of, of about I mm-hmm. believe yeah
0: did anyone confront you did yes you, yes yes you, um
1: so a lot of the uh uh church uh people would ask me like hey um what why do you uh Why do you act a certain way here and act a certain different way at home? And it's mainly that my family, Mm -hmm. um, because I would say that I'm a lot harder on my family. I have like uh, big expectations, and, and, you know, I like that's my clan in a sense, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But ultimately, they like for example i'll give this as an example i remember i was teaching sunday school uh, at our church my past church and i remember my mom being on time every time she knew i was going to teach sunday school mm. and i remember scolding her i told her why are you doing you know why are you coming on time when it, i'm teaching it's like well because i don't like everybody else in your mind and so i'm just like you can't do that and then out in the open you know i'm hugging my mom or you know Mm -hmm. so you see the difference it doesn't match you Mm know um little did i know is that romans 2 4 talks about or did you not forget the patience the kindness the forbearance that god gave us that leads us to repentance Mm -hmm. you know and it's the same way everybody has a different walk in their you know period of growth in their life and you know, for my mom, I mean, was I right? Sure. She should be on time, right? Uh, to every Sunday school because she's not going there for her son to, to hear her son teach Sunday school. But for God's word and for the edification and for encouraging fellow believers around her. Mm-hmm. Um, but could I have done it in a different way? Absolutely. More grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because we we have been given much grace, right? Absolutely, From the Lord, so.
1: more than I deserve.
0: Yeah. And so, th- did you did you follow your your dad's steps? Like, did you go to did you join the army or some sort of like <laughs> you know? So, like
1: every Asian, we always just get good grades, be a doctor, you know, or a Filipino, be a nurse, or work for the post office <laughs> or something. So um, that's usually the. Their avenue or the route that they give us. But I'm a black sheep, I think. Um, and I ended up going to, uh, I, well, I really love the science. Um, I love clinical lab science. That's what I tried to enter, microscopy, you know, setting diseases and things like that. So that was my goal. I went to UCR and uh, it was just, Like a great time, but I realized either I was just a little too slow or something. I don't know what happened, but God said, door shut, door shut, door shut. My dad eventually tells me, hey, why don't you try out a stable job? Why don't you work for the sheriff's department? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, have you seen me? Like, (laughs) I mean, I don't know, but it's just, I don't really look like the sheriff's department type, you know? <laughs> like if you called 911 and I showed up and they'd be like, you know, who gave this kid a gun and why is he at my house? You know, like, so um, I just, I was just like, no way, you know? And I end up applying and it was nerve wracking. My background investigator, I love the guy, uh, Mitch Downey, he tells me, um, he said, I, I have a .0, Two percent pass rate for all my applicants, and here I am being the slow Asian that I am, trying to like ninety nine point oh ninety nine point eight. Okay, that's how many times you fail people, you know. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know. And I'm just like really nervous and explaining, you know. And we go through the interview, we take the physical agility test, which you have to take, and you got these big guys, and they're just destroying but some of them can't do the run, you know? And so they start dropping like flies and I'm there just like standing in the corner, like this weird kid that got lost and landed somehow in the sheriff's department. And I have my investigation packet and ready to go. And um, without any hiccup, God pushed me all the way through. Wow! Zero hiccups. I even got a speeding ticket once. Like in the like in the middle of applying for the next pr- promotion, you know. Um, and the, the investigator is like, that's okay.
0: Wow. Yeah. So. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Lord's talk providence. about God's grace, right? And providence. Exactly. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Much yeah, grace yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I'm alive. To be honest. Yeah.
0: And I will get a little bit more into this. Yes. But I do want to hear then, how is it then that you come to... Uh, saving faith at what point in your life how does that happen
1: yes that's such a great question so uh i told you when i was about eight years old 1997 of september i prayed the sinner's prayer Mm -hmm. alone with my dad in the room he explained to me kind of expounded the gospel to me i understood it logically i understood Mm -hmm. it maybe even philosophically Mm -hmm. but i don't think i understood it truly spiritually and that was the difference. When I came to John MacArthur's church in August, just this last August, last mm-hmm. year, I was 31 years old before I truly realized what salvation was for me and mm-hmm. for everybody, mm-hmm. you know. And the thing that reigned supreme was, for lack of a better term, putting it into a mantra, is God is sovereign. That there's nothing, I mean, God is sovereign, He has complete control of salvation there's it's completely monergistic meaning one person does the entire work Mm
0: -hmm. for that
1: you know and then later on i learned more about sanctification other things like that but um i would say that a very true and clear understanding of salvation came at the age of 31 Mm -hmm. 31 you know so it's just an encouragement for me to share with other people is that it's everybody has their time. But if you were chosen before the foundation of the world, it doesn't matter. You're chosen, mm-hmm. you know. And this is me. Now, prior to that 31 years, I was strong in the evangelism in our church. In fact, I was a soul winning director. That's what we called it. And I remember I had to, in in IFB or Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, um, it's very common to have like a list of people's names, a count of how many people you led to Christ. And it's just, it's, it's very toxic, honestly. Wow. And um, it, it makes, turns things into what people would even call a healthy competition, but mm-hmm. it puts the salvation into the persuasiveness of my speech and my ability to dialogue with people. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I did become great at meeting people, dialoguing with them, making friends quick, but that's not salvation, you know? Mm-hmm. And so at the age of 31 did I come to understand Mm -hmm. salvation
0: and what changes then did you notice in your life like as soon as you you know because you you said there were things that you were clearly struggling back then and yet living like a double life kind of thing so what changes automatically in your life
1: the absolute biggest change that happened in my life was my war with sin Mm -hmm. you're still gonna sin we're all gonna sin We have fleshly bodies. Carnal thoughts continue to enter our mind even as we speak. Mm -hmm. But when we're at war with it, it shows that God has entered our hearts and God has truly laid a spiritual grasp on our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And it makes us want to just absolutely rid ourselves of this sin. Mm -hmm. And um, John MacArthur, I think, puts it best where he says, are you going to stop sinning eventually in your Christian life? Maturing wise, you know, Mm -hmm. and he says, uh, you'll never stop until you get to the, you know, to your holy, uh, to your glorified body. Mm -hmm. He said, but sin will definitely diminish. But the caveat to that is even the slightest sin will be even more irritating, Mm -hmm. will even be more bothersome. And that's something that I could definitely uh, not just sense, see, feel, but it's completely evident. Uh, personally, for my life, mm-hmm. uh, that I'm at war with sin.
0: Mm-hmm. But how did you come then to that saving, all, uh, saving faith? Like, oh. who, like, because you were going to this church, like the, yes. what is, uh, the fundament, fundamental IFC yes. yes. church. Uh-huh. But how did you get out of that? Like, what okay. made you, like, drove you out of You're that? Ready church? Ready for the story? Oh yeah! I'm all ready. right, <laughs> so here
1: we go. So. Um I guess how it all started was this there 's a gory picture that I usually show people, but uh, I was working in the jails at the time uh mm-hmm. and I was part of what 's called the emergency extraction or emergency response team and work. Kind of like the quasi SWAT team in the jails. Mm-hmm. And it's a rotation basis thing, so it's not anything special. But it is something important and needed in the jails. And when something happens of great importance that needs to be handled, like an inmate won't leave their cell immediately and there's fighting or whatever, we show up. Hats and bats, as they call it, got our helmets on. We got extra okay. vests and protective gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was part of one of the cuffing teams on that five-man team. And there was a man who was in a safety cell. And what a safety cell is is if you c- want to hurt yourself, or you want, or you're very violent towards others, you're put in a padded cell with just a, uh, like a horse blanket,
0: mm.
1: so you can't hurt, you can't choke yourself out. Um, and that's it just an empty cell there's a little grate where you can go to the bathroom and it gets flushed uh, and you're watched and monitored every 15 minutes so Mm -hmm. very very um, kind of isolated and very everybody's focused on that you know Mm -hmm. uh, person and this individual was under the influence of some sort of narcotic or drug and ended up biting himself in like completely taking a chunk out of his right arm Mm. out of his right arm so ended up taking a chunk of it out of his right arm and we get called because now we have to handle him and you know this i hear this all on the radio we're running to the uh room to get suited up and we're in like these hazmat suits so like i don't know if you've seen um monsters inc or anything Uh, where they're wearing like the yellow (laughs) hazmat suits. Yeah, Yes. (laughs) try wearing that for hours while fighting a person. Well, so Uh, we wear that and we're stacked up on the door. Now we do everything we can to get him to comply before we use any sort of physical force. So we use verbal, you know, we try to use what we call verbal judo and just mm -hmm. work our way to get him to comply with us and be handcuffed and we can treat his injuries. Um, That didn't work. Um, We put cans of gas to get him to, you know, finally comply. Still didn't work. That's four cans in. Wow. Um, and that's one of my weaknesses. So that plays a big role in what part of my testimony is the lungs, like the breathing of that gas. It's terrible. It's like breathing in embers. And so we go in. Um, and before we go in, actually, we throw what's called a sting ball grenade. And that's just to shock a person it has these little rubber pellets that just burst and just like it's honestly not really that painful mm-hmm. um, but it's more of like the the loud explosion and the shock that you know and all of these things you know we've kind we've had to experience and throw the gas we've experienced ourselves
0: wow. you know
1: so um I'm here stacked up my my uh, assignment is to grab his right arm and it was just like nerve-wracking because in at that time I had been on for about four years and I had not experienced or heard a story like this where a dude's just eating himself and I thought I was gonna meet with patient zero for the next zombie apocalypse and Brad Pitt was gonna come (laughs) bursting through the door and it's gonna be like the world war z2 movie or something but I was nervous and we all came in um everybody did their part now one of my partners um, got his mask dislodged, and he started coughing, and and he bailed out. So now I have my partners on the feet and then one on his back, and me face-to-face, he's barreled over on his knees and hands, and me face-to-face with this guy, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> at this point, I don't know if I should smile or if I should just like, hey, buddy, just listen, you know? And in my head, I'm just like, what's going to happen we end up continuing to wrestle with them, but my mask gets dislodged as well. And I'm breathing in these fumes and we just, we hunker down and we get him taken care of. Later on in the hospital, just for information later on, he bites his finger off. So he's just completely out of it. And that's what drugs do to you. So don't do drugs. So. <laughs> um, and uh, I remember getting really sick after that. Mm. I ended up catching pneumonia. Mm. And I was sick for two straight weeks. I had a fever of 105 to 106. I think uh, 106 is brain damage or something like that. So that explains a lot. Um, But I ended up getting sick for two weeks. And mind you, this moment of time in my life, I have been with my uh, fiance at the time now Mm. for um, going on 10 years. Yes, and we were about to get married, actually, mm. and here I am, sick, and we had just bought a house together. Uh, we weren't living together, but we had just purchased a home together, to prepare for the marriage and everything, and I get some news. Um, I get better from the pneumonia. I feel fine. The doctor calls me in again and says, hey, I need to meet with you in person, and I'm like, Why? I feel fine, you know, and he's the doctor ends up talking to me and saying, We did another x-ray follow up on your lung, and in your right mid lobe, there are specks all over your mid lobe um and one the size of a jelly bean, like three point two centimeters big of mass masses in your lungs, and we don't want to scare you, but we it's it was a soft diagnosis practically of cancer, of lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was just completely distraught about to get married. You know, I'm doing good in my career. Um, I'm serving faithfully in the church, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and w- w- what, what's going to happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having to call my fiance at the time. Uh, like, hey, I need to talk to you. But well, she didn't pick up her phone. And she knows three phone calls mean it's something serious. So uh, 50-something calls later, I end up, uh, she ends up picking up the phone. And she agrees to meet with me um, in Irvine and explains to me what's going on. And I come to find out that she's been living with another guy. Um, Yeah, it's rough. So here, uh, I just got better, but I have a house now that I might have to pay for on my own Um, and I find out that I might have cancer and I find out that 10 years is down the drain. So I don't know if you could imagine the amount of depression that hit me hard. Um, The darkness that I went through during those times was uh, inexplicable. I couldn't, I mean, I, I had very, very... Dark thoughts, and I mean, here comes the the. here comes my finesse with living a double standard life, though. Is nobody knew mm-hmm. I was able to put on the fake smile, I was able to put on the uh the facade in front of everybody. Hey, this is one of our church leaders or our preachers, you know, who uh, I was able to put all but at that point, when you're fiance is not showing up to church with you or when you're just absolutely crying in the bathroom and someone hears that, Mm. how much more can you hide? And that's Mm. the beauty about God's light and His grace and His love is that you can't hide. Mm -hmm. There is nowhere to hide with God. Sin will find its way out and God will find His way in, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: and I had no... Uh, recollection anymore of wanting to continue with marriage and wanting to continue with life. Mm. Uh, it was rough. I remember um, eventually I did at it, one of the most funniest moments. If I could be a fly on the wall of my life in my history, um, the night that I drove. Okay, so let me back it up here a little bit. When I found that out, my uh, my ex, I decided I wanted to meet the two of them. Think it's a good idea? <laughs> Probably not a good idea, that is not a especially good idea. when you own a gun <laughs> and you carry it around with you. Yeah, you know? not a so good idea. <laughs> the <laughs> anger was, uh it was it got me, you know. And uh, they agreed to meet with me, surprisingly, in oh. Starbucks in Tustin. I remember it clearly. And I remember driving there and I did the hardest thing that I ever did in my entire life. I saw this Bible actually, my old school Schofield King James Bible Mm -hmm. sitting on the um, seat next to me of my car. And I just cried. And I knew that my anger, I I couldn't allow it to get a hold of me. Mm -hmm. And what I did was i It was funny when I pulled in, there was a cop there uh getting coffee, and I was all like that's kind of weird like did they call the cops just in case you know, but he ended up leaving He had no part of the um the meat, mm-hmm. but I ended up disassembling my gun, taking out all the rounds of the gun um uh i'm I'm talking dismantling it as much as I could, uh and I ended up putting the bullets in the trunk, you know, locking the rest of the pieces of the gun in the uh, glove compartment. That way, it was a fail-safe for me. Mm-hmm. If I got angry, I knew that he would have some time to run because <laughs> I'd have to unlock and, di- and then assemble <laughs> and then like, wait, you know, come back. I need to shoot you, you know. So that was something that uh, truly scripture helped me remember that. And that's in 1 Timothy 1, seven. is, for God had not given us the spirit of pe- fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a soundness of mind during that time. And I ended up talking to him. And here comes the hardest part. I asked him, did you not know? Did you know that we were ready to get married in like literally two months? And she kind of just rolled her eyes. And he said, well, I did know, um, but I didn't know you guys were engaged. I knew you guys were together for like 10, 10 years or whatnot. You know, but ultimately, yeah, and ultimately, it's her decision. And I said that technically, if there's anything truth that you of truth that you said it right now, it's that. You know, um, because I was still trying to reconcile, I was still trying to fix things and trying to work things out. Long story short, I ended up sharing the gospel with him. That was the hardest thing. You could pepper spray me three ten times if you want, but I did not want to do that. I remember. Just, I felt like I was looking into the devil's eyes. That's how, like, I can't believe I'm doing this right now, you know. But because of the love that God, it's not my own love, you know, but because of the love that God gave me, that I wanted them to see that this is a problem, this is a sin, Mm. you know. And ultimately, um, I still shared the gospel in a very Arminian way. And Arminian meaning decision-based mm-hmm. you know pray this prayer and he prayed the prayer with me he, he was kind enough to oblige you know but hopefully that doesn't make him think he's a christian now mm. hope
0: and mm-hmm. this uh girl she used she was part of your church right yes so she was a christian quote, unquote.
1: yes yes and um honestly it could have just been a season of sin that was just super bad and slipped in her life. I mean mm-hmm. I don't I it's not my part to judge yeah, her. Yeah. Um I don't know if she's saved or not and that's mm-hmm. I haven't had contact with her very uh often um only to get you know the house situated. But other than that um she even served with me uh, in a very genuine way. Uh mm-hmm like we I hosted a youth camp for our church, and it's youth camps from our churches from all over i mean from Canada all the way to the southern california mm-hmm. and we hosted like a hundred plus youth camp uh and it was great, and she was my partner, and she was she she did well, mm-hmm. you know, and the genuineness showed, but like I said. Genuineness doesn't equal Christianity. You can be genuinely in a suit and tie in church or in a nice dress singing your heart out, and can it be, and still not understand one lick of the lyrics. I don't know where she is spiritually, but that's something that uh, uh, I was praying for during the, um, sharing the gospel to him. I ended up going home. And one of the funniest things, the fly on the wall part, was I drove to an In and Out and I was crying my eyes out. And I was like, not just crying like, like, like tears coming down, but like screaming. And I remember calling my brother. Uh, I love my brother so much. And I called him and I said, Kuya, because that's the way to say older brother, Kuya. I said, she left me and she left me for another guy and i have cancer and i'm in the middle of the drive through and the guy's like ready to hand me my food <laughs> and he's just like it's on us and i was just like ah, i so grabbed he my heard you, absolutely he heard you saying everything yes you were saying. oh my yes, word yes so thank kudos to that guy uh <laughs> thanks for in giving me out. a free meal to yeah, lift you up. <laughs> exactly To it was a rough oh. time. Oh, uh man. my brother was just trying he's all like it's okay, we're gonna find you like ten girlfriends and I'm like
0: that's not <laughs> what just I want to hear
1: <laughs> yeah but so
0: your brother is he a believer
1: yes is he, a believer? He, is a believer. he is a believer um uh, and I pray uh dearly for him because he hasn't uh a, a little one uh the one that I get to spoil my niece, yeah. uh and so she uh is hopefully being raised in Mm. The fear and yeah. admonition of the Lord.
0: So then, what happened after all of this mess? Oh. Like, what happened in your life after that?
1: So, because now my attention was no longer divided, ministry and fiance,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was it, it only can go one other way. You know, mm-hmm. my career. I love my career, but it doesn't come past my ministry. Uh, and sometimes ministry and career coincide for me, and I ended up. Putting all my focus and attention on my church,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this is another thing that another hard lesson that I learned is that you can even idolize your ministry. You can put them so far high up on a pedestal. The people that you love, I'm talking like the people you're discipling, the teenagers, the youth, uh, the the singing, the production, and all that stuff, all the the, the music arrangements and everything that can be something that takes more precedence about, let's make this a production Mm -hmm. rather than a spiritual engagement with God. Mm. And for me, that's what ended up happening was I began to, the things that I used to ignore in the IFB culture, in independent fundamental Baptist culture, I began picking at. And I was like, why are we focused on building a building when we are not focused on filling the pews that we have right now. There are things like that, that bothered me. Why mm-hmm. is it that, um, it's a predominantly, uh, Filipino church, which is great, you know, but we're in a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood yet not one Hispanic in our church. There's a problem with that. And my vision for our church, cause you know, I was one of the starting members of that church, that church, uh, you know, 10 years, same time, you know, I was with my ex Mm -hmm. and it bothered me. It bothered me to the core, to the point where I became, became a very sinful person. I became, I became so divisive.
0: Mm.
1: I began hearing the problems of the people. They would bring it up to me and they would say, Hey, I didn't like this or I didn't, you know, and so I became the mouthpiece or the the voice box and bringing it up to the leadership, but then when it would be brought up to them and it wouldn't be addressed, it became a problem for me because, well, like, let's do something about it. And in Filipino culture and IFB culture at that, uh, there's a strong sense of hierarchy with the pastor. Mm -hmm. I love, and again, I always quote John MacArthur, but there's other people that I'll eventually quote, but... John MacArthur said, what kind of authority does a pastor have over you? And he said, none. I don't, I don't tell you who to marry. I don't tell you if you can date this person or not. I don't tell you what clothes to wear, what car to drive. He said, the only thing I could tell you is what God presents to me through the Bible, through scripture. Anything extra biblical is, has nothing to do with how I ought to do my service as a pastor for, you know, for him. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that, you know, definitely resonated me very well. Mm-hmm. And then I just did the wrong thing. I I completely started creating factions within the church, you know, and saying like, hey, you agree with this, right? You're the one who came to me and told me this bothered you. Now let's go handle it and come to me together. And sometimes I would admit I felt like a Uriah just up in the front line, and then people just stepped back and didn't want to address the issue as well. And mm-hmm. they would just be quiet because you don't challenge the pastor in an IFB church.
0: Wow.
1: You know, the authoritarianism is very, very steep. Ended up, people started hating me, and I became very bitter, uh-huh. and I became very angry. And it's just, again, a picture of the depraved nature of my unrepentance mm-hmm. and this kind of two sided life. And I ended up hurting people that I love so dearly, uh, um, and I didn't want that, you know. Long story short, I didn't want anything to do with church anymore. For two months last year from June and July, I wanted nothing to do with church. I said, I'm just going to be a good cop. If somebody wants to come to me and learn about the Bible, I'll share with them the gospel, the way I knew how to do it, pray their sinner's prayer, wash my hands of it, and off you go. Let me get you a Bible, King James only, you know, and that's uh, what I ended up resolving myself on. So I have this book from uh, John MacArthur that I used in high school. I went to a Christian high school, Woodcrest Christian, and uh, one of my teachers used this as his study material for us to use and learn how to study the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that book is uh, MacArthur's Quick Reference Guide to the Bible. I remember learning so much from this book mm. as a IFB, a Christian or a Baptist, right? And I remember clearly searching up John MacArthur as a teenager, 16 years old, and reading articles upon articles. And I'm just like, whoa, this guy's like, he's good, you know? And then it came down to the word predestination. Mm. And I was like, oh, let's, let's backtrack here. We're not going to mess with that. I remember putting this book away and having nothing to do with it again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Little did I know that this book would be sitting there 15 years later. And in my complete disparaged, distraught, broken depression, mm-hmm. this book was sitting on the counter of, because uh, we were moving and stuff. So it was just sitting on the counter of my table. And I did everything that I could to please myself. I, uh, without breaking the most carnal of sins. So I didn't. I never got drunk. I never um, slept with women or anything like that. That wasn't my mo. My mo was just to, like, just pretty much die naturally already. You know, Um, when Job said to, well, I guess to himself in a sense, "I wish I never left my mother's womb." Mm -hmm. I can remember how when I read that, I just resonated with that completely and I didn't finish the rest of the book sad to say I should have and then I would have understood but I ended up uh, filling my house with paintings just to get my mind off of things going to work I would work extreme crazy amounts I like a slave laborer um, just working 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 overtime and I wasn't happy I wasn't fulfilled there wasn't anything in me that felt fulfilled Mm -hmm. until I saw this book and I said, all right, I'll give it one more shot.
0: And what is the name of the book?
1: And the name of the book is MacArthur's Quick Reference Guide to the Bible. Mm -hmm. And it's just a breakdown of all the books, but I just remember learning a lot from it. So I attributed a lot of truth and learning to it. And I said, well, let me tackle this predestination thing again uh, by going straight to the horse's mouth Mm -hmm. and going to talk to the people at this church. August came... And I was—I did not know the clout or the the big building seminary, uh, Grace to You, all of that stuff. I had no idea. I just thought he was an article writer, you know, that I would cite and use for my um, exegetical paper in my in my Bible class in high school.
0: Mm.
1: Eventually, people came to me and brought me the true gospel, and I I threw everything down. I threw every King James version verse down I could I could and ultimately that was the crux of it all was the King James version uh debate was um and they 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 stopped me in my tracks with one question cuz I was like well if you're using the NASB and I'm using the King James version then we have different truths you know it's it's not making it's not going to connect you believe it's changed you know you've changed the words or whatever yeah and They stopped me with this and they said, do you think Paul would understand the King James Version? (laughs) And I was just like, Paul as in like my friend Paul down the street? Absolutely. (laughs) No, Paul as in the Apostle Paul, Saul, Damascus, road. Remember that story? And I said, yeah, he wouldn't understand that. So how about him? What did he use? Greek and Hebrew. And so I pushed Further and further down the line, and I come to realize, you know, the writers of the King James Version, the history of it, how many times it was even edited. Even the fact that they didn't have some portions of scripture and in used the Latin Vulgate, to uh, make their estimation of what that ending of Revelation is with mm-hmm. Erasmus' uh, version. So, I was just shocked of the truth. And then, obviously, I did test... The people of the church, I saw how much they, every word out of their mouth at Grace Community Church, every word, something is going to direct it towards the glorification of God or edification of the saints, something. Every conversation I've had there, every single time, and I said, this is the, and everybody's a different race. Would you look at that? The gospel's not just particular race? Wow. I said, this is the church that I imagined that I wanted our church to be. God really humbled me and He really said, You're trying to change my church back over there in Riverside. But you don't even understand your own salvation.
0: Hmm.
1: You don't even understand how church is. You don't understand the basics. And I felt like a Nicodemus. You don't you understand you barely understand the earthly things. How can you understand the heavenly things? And it just continued to progress from there and I didn't just obviously the people are lovely but I ended up falling in love with God I came there for that sole reason is to find God and in reality he's the one that found me I I was lost blind so
0: and how did you come to find grace Community church
1: through this book. So the, through yeah. This book? I just searched so John just MacArthur. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't, I've never heard his radio station. I've, I mean, I'm sure I have in just like, if you listen to, I mean, Greg Laurie's on there too and all the other people, you know, but I never, never really knew him. I even didn't even know his face, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just...
0: So then what happened after, because you, so did that whole, the whole change, did it happen after you arrived to Grace, Like...
1: Yeah. Oh, All those
0: major changes, like, yeah, you know, because so, you said you were dealing with depression, it was so dark, and you yes. were angry, and all those I things. Pr-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should probably tell you now that I'm not depressed anymore, <laughs> you know, or any of that stuff. I also don't have lung cancer.
0: Oh, brace Uh order. When
1: I went to the doctors uh, for the follow-ups, uh, and by, mind you, this was months before I found out that it was gone. They told me, do you pray? And I said, absolutely, I pray. My church prays for me, too. Uh, the one Riverside. And they said, we'll continue doing that because it's working. Mm. And I said, is it gone? They said, yeah, it's gone. And they couldn't even explain why. Wow. Yeah. So it was a blessing for me. And then a month later, I ended up finding out I had a kidney or liver failure. Um, I don't even drink. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, my liver enzymes were high, I guess.
0: Mm. And
1: um, they just said, it, it's a it's a farce as well. It normalized again. So, just a lot of things happened all at one time and it just weighed heavy on me. And the depression sank. And it reminds me of um, William Cooper. I don't know if you've read portions of his his story, um, but he was very depressed person as well. Um, all the way to the end of his Christianity, he attempted suicide multiple times. Was unsuccessful and realized that God had to be the one to Arbitrate whether or not he lives or dies. And um, and through him and John Bunyan who was imprisoned and, and David Brainerd who, who died at the age of 29 from tuberculosis. And the daughter of Jonathan Edwards took care of him in his home and died the same of tuberculosis at the age of 19. And you're just like, these people suffered.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And people think that suffering is a terrible thing. Suffering is a reminder that God is the only source of deliverance. Mm -hmm. And that's what pushed me now to even want to come here and, 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 and share this is because there's people hurting all over the place. That's Mm -hmm. what I saw in church and the the ministry that we, I've been able to partake in and, People think that it's a terrible thing and why would God do such a thing? And all it is, is it's to remind us how much we need to cling to Christ, how much we Mm -hmm. need to cling to God, how much we're so self-centered that we worry about our own suffering. And and you read in Acts, I think, chapter 5, when Pastor Paul Twist talked about it, where how great is it that? Peter said, after he was flogged and beaten by the same council members that put Jesus Christ on trial, how great is it that he was able to be considered worthy of suffering for Christ's name's sake. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a problem that we have with modern day Christians is that people aren't being persecuted. People aren't being, aren't suffering for their, for Christ, you know, Mm -hmm. and if they do feel a little bit of heat under, the, under their bellies. All of a sudden, the, you know, woe is me and I need to post this and I need to post that and I need someone to come over and, you know, but it's the Bible. It's, it's God's word. That's all sufficient. That's all we need, you know. And so when I learned all about, you know, biblical understanding of truth, I, uh, who else, what, what else does a Christian do? Go out. Just like Peter did after he got beaten, he started going to churches again and continued preaching. And so I went and the first people that I thought of was my family and I went to my parents. Now, you got to imagine, I'm about to go to my parents and I'm about to tell them that everything you've taught me was wrong. Mm. That everything, not everything, but a big portion of the gospel is wrong. That sincerity doesn't, decisionism doesn't save It's the fact that Christ in His all-sovereign will saves us, transforms us, changes that heart of stone into a heart of flesh, embeds with us the spirit. And then not only that, causes us to walk in His statutes in Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. And got to imagine like the the nerve-wracking moment, like, I mean, of course, I want them to be saved, you know, and I, I want them to understand that and... I go three weeks later after being uh, immersed in the teaching of John MacArthur and the other pastors at the church. I mean, even you guys just having conversations with the members. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I share with my parents and their minds were blown. And And how I knew this was because the following day, my mom and dad called me and they said, son, I've never ever read the Bible this way before.
0: Wow,
1: And then you have them reading their Bible all over again. And they're just learning more and more and more. And they're now calling me, talking about not just how's work and how's this, but every utterance out of their mouth is the word of God and the exposition of it. That to me was, that broke me. And I, I remember crying in my house alone. I cry a lot for a cop, I guess. Um, but... Yeah, um, I remember just completely being on my face, thanking God that He put the spirit of truth-seeking in my parents. Mm -hmm. Humility, teachability, that's something that not a lot of people have. And it's something that I as well needed to work on um, and
0: still do, in fact. Mm -hmm. What a blessing! Because I honestly thought that it was there, it was gonna move towards like they probably rejecting or getting yeah. angry. So that's what <laughs> happens a lot of a lot of times yes. when you go up to someone and trying to tell them that whatever they have been taught, you know, their whole life. It's like.
1: Yes. it's wrong
0: like you know it, yes there's i don't know there but that is the lord himself just Absolutely. by His grace that he was able to give them that heart and
1: here, here's what i think about sometimes because obviously i have to share with my brother as well and you know he's still working on understanding what like all these things about predestination he's still growing and learning but think about the most dearest loved one to you
0: mm-hmm.
1: how much do you want them to be saved like a thousand percent, right? Mm -hmm. Of course you want them to be saved. Either they grew up with you, you were raised by them, whatever it may be. But it still doesn't matter what you think. It still doesn't matter what I think or what I want. Ultimately, our desires as we mature as Christians change. Mm -hmm. And the very pinnacle of that desire is to glorify God. Mm -hmm. So if that means that God had purposed it, that particular members of your family he had chosen, and some he had chosen to glorify him in a different way, then you, we can't argue with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's hard to accept. Um, I Maybe I could share a verse real quick out of oh, yeah. the Legacy yeah, of Standard Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, love this version. A promotion for the Legacy yes. Standard Bible. So Find if them you, on you're the Instagram and co-
0: Facebook and Twitter, even Twitter.
1: yes, Come <laughs> out to uh, Shepherds Conference. I think they're going to be selling for the men it. though yes oh for Just, the men absolutely <laughs> Shepherds come. yes they will get um, but when you read this verse it kind of knocks you off your feet a little bit it says um actually maybe i should read out of luke um uh 12 first it says twelve fifty one 51 do you think that i came to you to grant peace on earth mm-hmm. i tell you no but rather division From now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against, and you get the point. (laughs) And in a few chapters later, it talks about the cost of discipleship and Jesus Christ turns to the crowds in verse uh, 26 of chapter 14. If anyone comes to me, And does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Whosoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's strong words coming out of, that's very controversial words coming from a a society of Jewish people, uh, Hebrews that are all about clan life, that are all about family. I mean, you were named, your name was Mark of the Arnells, you know, my dad. So that's how you were named. So it it meant so much during that time. I mean, Peter leaving his fathers, uh, you know, to wait for him to get old and die and uh, be buried just to follow Christ, that was huge. Mm -hmm. So we can idolize things that we don't think we're idolizing, our own children. We can idolize. Everything has to be God first. That Colossians one eighteen that He must have the preeminence. Christ mm-hmm. is the head of the church, you know. Yeah. So huge, huge um, lesson for me to learn there and just really relinquishing all of everything mm-hmm. to God.
0: Well, and praise the Lord for just the growth and, um, you know, for walking you through the whole process. I mean, with all the... Chaos that was happening, and yet the Lord still using it for your good, right? Right? The Romans eight twenty eight. Yes, he works Everything together for our good. Yes. Um. And I do want to ask you, and I did mention this yes, ahead of time of to course. you before. It's like, okay, am I allowed to ask about these things? But first of all, we've been hearing about so what you do, uh, for as a, as your job. You're a cop, and then you're also a Christian. So, uh, can you tell me? can you share a little bit about how this has been for you? Like, you know, being a then yet being a Christian, how have you been able to witness to other people or has, mm. has it been even challenging Absolutely. being a Christian in this world?
1: Yes. So how I, I mean, I've learned this even from my previous church um, before you're anything else. If you're a Christian, you're a Christian first. Mm-hmm. So before I'm a cop, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And, You got to imagine already the double, or the double, the high standard that people put Christians at. Mm -hmm. They always throw that verse at you, right? Don't judge another, you know, and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. and they don't even know the context of it. But they'll put Christians at a high pedestal. Mm -hmm. Imagine now being a cop. A cop is also, like... You know, you speed, you, uh, you know, you, you do these things, you, you, uh, download the legal movies, you know, or whatever it is. I don't know. So it's double the, double the, um, the pressure Mm -hmm. in a sense, uh, for, for some people, for me, I mean, I just pray to God that I don't commit, you know, any atrocious sins to, you know, stain his name, but ultimately it puts a weight on a lot of my partners and uh, including myself because probably 90 or 90 percent or plus I would say of the people that I've interacted with in my department have professed some sort of belief in God or Christianity so either they're maybe just believe that there's something great up there they're agnostic in some way, sense, or form, or that they do believe, and they're maybe either a Roman Catholic or an Irish Catholic or a you know Philippine Catholic, whatever flavor you want, and they'll profess all of these things but completely live a different life. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because as a Christian, especially growing in such very astute doctrine in a sense and deep doctrine of the Bible, it's hard to balance out confronting your partners who you trust you I mean it's it's a brother and sisterhood we tr- i mean if i see somebody an officer i don't care who getting his butt handed to him or her in the middle of the street or whatever and there's nobody there yet i'm jumping out of my car and i'm gonna help him. that's just how we are you know and and to tell them hey Imagine this, you're a cop, okay? Say Arlenis, the police officer, the deputy sheriff, right? And Arlenis is here and she's a 15-year veteran in the force and you know she's got her blue line flag and she's just all ready to go. She just stopped this uh, um, rapist from being out into the world. She arrested him, good. And then the next thing you know, uh, a call comes out for a baby choking on macaroni. And you save the babies. You get there, you're rolling code and you're just driving fast and you get there without hurting anybody else, getting into a car accident. Man, super cool. And you save the baby's life. Parents are praising you, thanking you. Man, You can we have a picture with you? Next thing you know, your husband, Richard, man, that guy tempted by another woman and leaves you and you're now filing divorce. Your two children are left alone at, to decide whether or not who's right or wrong, jumping between homes, left and right, who do I support, mom or dad? And then you're working another 16-hour shift. You get home and you forget that your son has a soccer game, so you go out and or a basketball game, and you go out and watch him play basketball. And you think to yourself, I'm a good person. You know, I have... I have done nothing wrong to these people and I've protected people, I've helped people. It's, it's what it is, is it's, it's a trap of self-righteousness is what it is. Mm-hmm. Because the same wrath of God, if you're not truly saved, that is on a homeless person that is addicted to cocaine or heroin or meth is the same wrath that lands upon our heads even if we are good mm-hmm. the bible is clear about that right our righteousness is as filthy rags the wisdom of man is foolishness to god and so these are the people that my heart breaks for mm-hmm. because they're awesome people cops are some of the most most wittiest smartest socially non-awkward people that you'll ever meet mm-hmm. uh, i mean like they are truly troopers if you look at everything in a moralistic standpoint you just can't help but think of them as heroes and mm-hmm. and not ever besmirch their name, mm-hmm. and then eventually you realize what the scripture says is that even morality, genuineness, sincerity, all that stuff, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with our purpose here on this earth. you know revelations four eleven thou art worthy, O Lord to receive all the glory, honor, and power, and praise. That's all supposed to go to God. Mm -hmm. And I pray, and I I don't know if God is impressing upon my heart to write a book in regards to reaching out to them. Um, I love them. I mean, my supervision, even my sheriff, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. To give you a tone, by the way, of how our sheriff took precedence when he became elected, he sent an email out to all of us, to all the staff, to all the deputies, everybody, because there's such a high rate of divorce in law enforcement. It's, I think, at 60-something percent, 68% divorce rate. He said this. He said, if you can't... It's something along the lines of this. If you can't control yourself in your marriage... In other words, if you can't be faithful to your spouse, then you have no rhyme or reason in being in our department. Mm. And I was like, "Praise God, mm-hmm. Amen." You know, and people who have gone through that and maybe have committed that sin, like my ex, for example, they can they can grow just as much. They can change and mature just as much if God is is in them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not that they're we're going to cast them out. Mm-hmm. You know, we love. You know, Christ ate with the sinners. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Um, I may have strayed away from your question, but mm-hmm. the difficulties, I guess, of sharing the gospel is, of course, I want to show professionalism. I don't want to uh, shove Jesus down your throat and be a Jehovah's Witness cop kind of thing, knocking on your door or on my bicycle with a, you know, white shirt and red tie and just banging on everybody's door, telling them to repent and believe. But at the same time, if you get an opportunity and they open up, I'm not shying away from sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's exactly what they need to hear. And I've had opportunities uh, by God's grace to do so. And um, it's been a blessing to do that as well.
0: And you mentioned just uh, um, recently that Cops are to be, you know, for some people are like heroes, like they've seen, they're (laughs) seen to be like, you know, heroes because Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, they're protecting and all of this. I think that changed a little bit in 2020, didn't it? Yep,
1: absolutely. So
0: that's where I, I, I want to go now. Um what was it like for you guys, for your department, like 2020, with all the craziness that was happening, you know, people, very angry with the police, yeah. they wanted to defund the police yes. and all these things. Um, what was it like for you guys?
1: Sure. So I was allowed to participate in all of the uh, riots that happened within our county. And we were on call as well for uh, neighboring uh, counties and cities as, you know, as we were needed. Um, but... Seeing the anger of people, uh, the way I put it is this. If you want to see every day you work the depravity of man in its most clearest picture, be a cop. Be a cop. I'm not saying other professions don't see this, but I'm saying is this is a good one to start with if you want to see it. If you really want to see the true sinful nature of man, be a cop. I remember just standing there, and people threatening to throw bottles of pee at us, and um, feces, and um, just rocks or whatever it may be. Um, praise God that we, you know, we have such talented people in our department that are just absolutely man. They are just uh, like just so good at their job you know they they prevented so many things and obviously i get to be part of it but i'm nowhere near those guys um but they uh just like our our swat teams and all that all these special enforcement teams and they they truly do care though um about these people and i i even remember there was a guy that said filipinos for black lives matter sign and i said not even our culture i said Let me get this guy. Let me just get him, (laughs) you know, (laughs) at least, you know. But uh, my sergeant was just laughing. And we were just holding our ground. 10,000 people plus strolled through, broke the CVS, smashed the windows, vandalized, stole. Um, There was other things that they did and broke and stole. And it's just like, why? you know. And then they wanted to fund us and all that stuff. But here's the thing is John MacArthur said this, in one of his previous messages, we lose here on this earth. Mm -hmm. We lose, Mm -hmm. you know, and when Christ returns as the judge, he wins. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately what we have to look forward to as Christians. There there is a hope for Christians. Some people might ask me, I have, you know, there's supervision, lieutenants and stuff that thank us uh, in our briefings and things that say, hey, we're retiring, but man, thank you guys. Thank God for you guys, that you guys are staying. Because there's departments that have a skeleton crew, ours even being some of them, um, but that just people have left. People have no longer thought that, hey, the pay is not good enough anymore. It, you just have to think of it as this. Is if you're truly a Christian, your ultimate goal is to glorify God and res- evil needs to be restrained, as it says in the Bible. And mm-hmm. so we're there to do that now are we perfect are we truly heroes are we the men and women in blue tan and green that just completely embody what a, what perfection is and heroes are absolutely not we're completely flawed just as much as anybody else yeah. the uniform makes no difference mm-hmm. the only difference that is within us is god
0: mm-hmm And, you know, because of everything that was happening and obviously everyone is just like seems like to make not the cops, obviously every Mm -hmm. cop now it's a bad cop and everyone is bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So did that did that bring any sense like of fear in you and you and you guys like as far as like to perform the job that you're supposed to do? Because you don't want to do something wrong or you don't want this to be your case now that something like this, like what happened in 2020. Right. And I'm referring to the George Floyd situation that yes. happened last year. Yes, uh, For anyone who do not know what, yes. <laughs> what I'm referring to. I hope to, you guys I, know
1: by now. Yeah, I, I hope. If living not, living just, go, go,
0: just, just go share a search on Google and find out the, what, mm-hmm. the George, uh, George Floyd case. So did that uh, bring any fear in you guys uh, as far as like to perform your duties and your responsibility as a cop because of you know, you don't want this probably to be your case of what, uh, you know, to happen to you. Absolutely.
1: I don't want to end up on the six o'clock news (laughs) and just be like, "Uh, Filipino boy. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, so yes, I was just extremely blessed, however, to be surrounded by such trained individuals that will not neglect officer safety, that -hmm. will not hesitate to act. And not only that, when the new sheriff came in, he was handled business. He was all about handling business
0: mm.
1: where it needed to be handled and never, and he was just as hard, or is, I should say, just as hard on those who do wrong. Like I said, the precedence he made was that email where even their, our own personal lives, which is through, you know, because of the divorce rate, even that he, he took a, sh- a jab at. So imagine how much more, if it's legal matters, if there isn't an, an excessive use of force, they are absolutely reprimanded to the highest degree because that's what it's about. It's about integrity.
0: Yeah.
1: And if people don't have any faith in their department, and that's why our county is just people love, when people talk about the sheriff and the department. You know, people wave with all five fingers. You know, they actually care. They mm-hmm. don't throw up gang signs or whatever. And they they actually know that we're going to handle business because why? Because it's a department of integrity. Mm-hmm. And, and the slip-ups that do get uh, uh, addressed will be addressed accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hesitation, I could definitely see it in just random videos you'd see on your news media or feed or whatever of cops who just like, yeah, you should probably shoot the guy by now. He's already pointing a gun at you. It, it, it but because of the the clout on media, and that's honestly only five percent of what the real population is. Mm-hmm. To be honest, there is a there is a silent majority. I want to affirm that with people, and I know this because I see it. Mm-hmm. People continuously thank me. Just last week, somebody told me to roll my window down. And I was like, what? You know, it's weird. You know, why are you telling a cop to roll his window down? <laughs> Pulled alongside me and it was a young kid, and he just reaches out a Starbucks $5 or whatever, however much is on it, gift card. And I'm like, I want to throw stickers at you or something, you know, <laughs> but I couldn't. Um, yeah. So, uh, and there was a green light, but uh, I just said, thank you. And there you have it, you know. And then obviously you have your knuckleheads that want to live a continuous life of crime. But um, we handle that just like in any society. There is also, in a sense, the, the race card, if you will, that gets pulled quite often. Um, I remember one of my partners and I were talking about a stop, pulled over the guy. Guy's an African-American male uh, with other African-Americans inside and um, pulled him over for tinted windows. I mean, they're blacked out, completely blacked out. And the first words that come out of his mouth was, you pulled me over because I'm black. Wow. And after we had realized, you know, these, you know, they were well-dressed and, you know, after they realized that, hey, these people aren't going to be causing any sort of uh, officer safety issue, told them, roll your windows up. (laughs) And they rolled their windows up and said, all of you guys in here are black right now because your tinted windows are black. I didn't pull you over because you were black. I pulled you over because you have tinted windows.
0: Yeah. So he couldn't even see through the- oh.
1: Absolutely not. Yeah. And I said, and I'm brown. So what are you going <laughs> to, you know, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and then their, their reasoning after that was, well, you're one of the good ones then. Mm. And I'm just like, no, that you missed the point, you mm-hmm. know, and sadly, that's kind of the toxic poison that the media wants to infiltrate into even our children's minds. Mm-hmm. And, it's, it's, it stinks, it's terrible But the way I see it is this And I'll correct myself now Because I told myself I'm not going to say it stinks anymore Because um, when you understand God's providence God's providence means what? That he ordains everything The good and the bad That it's all in his master plan So for me to say that it stinks That means I pretty much told God Your plan stinks mm-hmm. So not true, not true at all It didn't stink, it's just sad you know mm-hmm. but god wills it yeah and that's what has to happen
0: yeah and i think it's very encouraging just to see like just like there have been people that completely have you know poured out their wrath like their anger and hate Uh, towards, you know, cops. And because of all of that, it's really encouraging also to see how people are still like, no, like these are the people who are protecting us and making sure that we follow the law, right? Right. Because just like we have the law here in this earth, we have like the law of God, right? That we have to follow. So it's like, feel like it's just with us, like in this world and the way that it's moving, People just don't want anyone telling them what to do or what what to follow, mm-hmm. and so therefore, just they they just completely want to break off anything that is trying to you know to 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 make sure that you follow the law. Like anyone who is trying to make sure that you're following on the right line and the right path, and they just completely want to strip it off and just completely destroy that. Right. Um, and I mean, you know, like. I know that a lot of people see the Word of God as like, oh no, that's just a book of the what to do, like basically completely trying to control my life, you know. So they they just come from that perspective of like the the Bible is just telling me not to do this, not to do that, not to do this, and no, right, this is also God trying to protect us too, right? You know, and it's like yeah, and then here you guys are also protecting. Us Like, honestly, I was actually talking to someone very recently and uh, I grew up in Dominican Republic and, you know, in Dominican Republic, well, the whole system is just corrupt. Like everything is, like in many other countries, I'm sure Like we can hear that. And uh, honestly, going to the Dominican Republic, I don't feel safe. Hmm. Even the cops are like, you can buy them off. Mm -hmm. And here, this is the first time, when I moved to America, it was the first time that I ever felt safe Hmm. because... I, like, I will see the cops, like, around my town. And because when a crime was committed, they will make sure that the law was followed, that people will be protected.
1: Absolutely. Dominican
0: Republic, I know of a case that someone committed murder, and they just paid off for him to come out. Wow! So where is the protection there? Right. You're going to release a criminal who, honestly, everyone saw that the whole crime, and, right. you know, in the town, I mean, it's a very small town. And it's like, yeah, you let him go? Wow. Well. You know, so that's why I'm like, I praise the Lord just for the system here. And yes, there will be people that because of our sinfulness and not to say that there won't be cops that will make wrong choices, make make wrong decisions because, you know, especially like if we don't, if you don't know Christ, then you're just going to act on your sinful nature. You know, like what, what the only thing that you have is just your sin, yourself and and you don't have the Lord as a ruler and Lord of your of your life, Amen. and He is the one who changes our heart. He is the one who who changes the heart to please Him, to honor Him, to follow the His word, right. to obey His word. You know right. so. Um, yeah, this is something that I was uh, thinking through this week as you were coming because I, I had uh, talked to some friends wow. and I'm like, I want to know uh, more about how this has been from you guys because I haven't heard from like <laughs> the cops, like, you know, like how, how challenging yes. it, it's been. And, and also something that I appreciate was even from our church how supportive they've been of um, just the police department, the law enforcement. And so grateful to see the the support and love that they have poured out to them and and to know like, no, we're we're with you. Just make sure, keep keep protecting (laughs) (laughs) protecting us. (laughs) Keep taking care of us. But yeah.
1: Integrity is a big glue that holds the department together. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And... With my partners and how we get we we handle ourselves if somebody does something even to the slightest degree questionable, mm-hmm. we confront that person and uh, we tell them like, listen, man, you don't put food on my table. Mm-hmm. You're 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 literally by doing something illegal or thinking about it or pre- preparing to do something, you know, against the bounds of our of law and then our policies, you, you're gonna deprive my children or my wife or whatever it may be of Mm -hmm. their food on the table. All because what I wanted to protect you. There is none of that. There is none of this, Mm -hmm. um, like we will cover each other, you know, Um, maybe to a, to a slight degree, if I'm being honest, there, there, all of us are just truly careful about each other that we don't want our partner to lose their career, Mm -hmm. you know, so we'll call them out. And, you know, the saying is snitches get stitches, not in the department, Mm. you know, in the department, um, at least in ours from the, I've only been on seven years. So uh, the time that I've been on, everybody reports things, you know. Mm. Um, So uh, all of it kind of just goes back down and what you were talking about with just people letting murderers go and things like that. It's just a lack of obedience. Mm -hmm. And something that I can remember was in Ezekiel, um, when you see the degree of his obedience to God and God asks him amidst the valley of the dry bones and says, son of man, can these bones live? And this is Ezekiel in his mature state. He's already old and he's literally telling God Oh Lord, only you, thou knowest, only you know. Mm-hmm. How can you come up with such a mature answer like that? Uh, I mean, you could have said, yes, absolutely, duh, you're God, you know. Um, but if you backtrack and rewind in Ezekiel, I think it's in chapter 25, God tells Ezekiel one night, I'm going to take away something so important with, from you, swift blow, with one blow. And you're not going to cry, you're not going to mourn, you're not going to worry, you're not going to any of that. You're not going to do the ritualistic things you do when somebody dies or when somebody something tragic happens. And Ezekiel did as he was told.
0: Mm.
1: And you're going to continue on, you're going to preach, you're going to give my prophecy to the people. Little did he know that next morning his wife died, or I think it was in the evening actually his wife died and then the next morning he didn't cry he didn't do any of that and he went straight out and shared what god wanted him to share
0: mm.
1: imagine that that degree of obedience and that's what we lack even not even in law enforcement and in in the criminal world obviously but in society in our churches even amongst our brethren sometimes there's such a headbutting of of obedience Mm -hmm. And and it's tough and it's difficult. And there's also no forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, forgiveness is huge. I'll tell you right now, the people that uh, have hurt me in the past quite heavily, um, like my ex, I don't mind. I probably wouldn't have another romantic relationship with her. But as God is sovereign, he's the one that controls everything. But um, when it comes down to forgiving her, absolutely, we could have dinner right now. I don't mind. And the reason why is this, people always say, forgive and forget. Mm. Well, if you forget, then did you really forgive? Because if you think about it, when Christ died on the cross, Romans 5.8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he still died for us. The memory was very vivid. Mm. That sin that we commit tomorrow, yesterday, 10 years from now, God had that in His mind as He was being nailed to the cross for our sins. Imagine that. Imagine that's the kind of love that God has for us, that Christ has for us. And, you know, we're almost brought to tears because we see how much God truly remembers. And yet, we don't want to forgive the people that offend us. How? We have no right to withhold forgiveness from people and that's something that is also, I think, the reason why the divorce rate is so high in the department, and even in churches where it, people don't even want to talk to each other. It's it it's rough, you know. And anyways, I kind of went on a oh, rabbit yeah, trail that there, was but wonderful. Um, yeah. Yeah. But
0: yeah, it can be just a lack of forgiveness, not being willing to forgive, and Absolutely. we have been forgiven much.
1: Yes, yes, by
0: our Lord. Now I'm just going to move on to our signature question.
1: Sure, and (laughs) I I think I know. Yeah, we'll wrap this up.
0: (laughs) All right, so let's move on to our signature question. So three things that brings you joy.
1: Three things. So I'm going to cheat. And because I'm a cop, we're cheaters. (laughs) We'll make sure we win. (laughs) But um, the only thing I could think of is Christ.
0: Hmm.
1: Nothing in comparison because I remember those two months that I had been... Strung up in my depression, nothing gave me joy. Not even my own family. Mm -hmm. Not even anything. Zero things gave me joy. And it wasn't until Christ truly revealed himself in all his immaculate glory that I really saw this is the one source, the one tether of true joy and fulfillment that I can have. Nothing else can... They're so remote. That everything pales in comparison to Christ, so that 's really not that i don 't enjoy even our <laughs> friendship and you know um, being able to enjoy good food those, but to, to equate that with Christ or to even put them as number to even put family and career as two and three, you know uh, would do number one, which is Christ, who is Christ at this yeah. service.
0: And I was speaking about Christ. So why do we need Christ?
1: Christ is the very reason we get to say God is real. Mm -hmm. Christ is the embodiment of salvation for us. Christ is the one and only way to speak and communicate with the Father in heaven. And ultimately, Christ is the only way we can glorify God. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Revelations 4.11, we were created all for the purposes of his glory. Honestly, this is, I wanted to throw a question out to you real quick. Yeah. You know, um, for me, I'll start with mine so you can't copy mine, okay? Okay. Um, But an epitaph, the thing that you want on your tombstone, what you want written on your tombstone. It's not going to be like R.C. Sproul says, I told you I was sick or something like that, something (laughs) witty, but... If I could, I wouldn't want my name or anything on it other than the words, God is sovereign and everything is for the purposes of His glory alone. That's it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, um, and that's the reason why we need Christ is for God's glory. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: you don't have to answer that now. Maybe you do it off camera or if you want to do it now, you're welcome to. Well, honestly,
0: as soon as you asked that, like it took me a second because I was like, oh, I don't know. And then... Uh, I just thought about for me to live is Christ and to yeah. die is gain. Praise and I think, God. you know, Paul said that and I've I quoted that throughout my testimony. And I think that's something that I think a lot about mm. that just the richness of that, you know, like that Absolutely. we that that will be the goal of all of us and that will be. How we live our life, that we live for Christ, absolutely, you know? and that we know that to get, die is gained because we know that we will gain heaven. We absolutely. will be in heaven in perfect sinlessness. and uh, we know that we will be, you know, have our perfect bodies, and uh, we won't we won't sin anymore. Yes. And every tear oh, it's will so be wiped. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think that will be something that I will
1: love. great, great. Hopefully, <laughs> well, I go before you, so I don't have to see your tombstone. <laughs>
0: No, but thank you so much, yes. uh, Mark, for joining us and just for sharing all of this about your life. Um, praise the Lord just for the work that He has done and He will continue to do in your life. And I just pray that He will continue to use you to share the gospel and to be a witness of Christ in uh, uh, everyone around you and that He will be protecting you too Please. and, you know, in your department and continue to be a witness to your partners. Will you mind closing us in prayer?
1: I would be an absolute privilege. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're truly in awe and in thanks of what you've done for us. You have given us so much that we don't deserve, and yet we have become so unfaithful, forgetful. Chronic amnesia runs through our veins, Lord, and I ask that we may remove ourselves from the busyness of this life from being self-centered that we may look upon you look upon the cross look upon what Jesus Christ did for us and continues to do the propitiation of our sins Lord and what a blessing it is that you have called us out that you have created and enabled us to be bold what a blessing it is to have this opportunity to reach people through media where in times past would not be available and you'd only hear the gospel by word of mouth by preachers that were sent but now lord you can even hear the gospel here on a podcast on a YouTube channel social media and yet there are so many of us lord that are scared that are not not emboldened that are weak Please, Lord, help us to not think about ourselves and help us to think about those who've you called. Help us to share the gospel with as many people as we can. Thank you for Arlenis and Richard and um, the entire staff, Lord, here that does all this work. What a blessing it is that they're able to open this up and, and even Andrea, Lord God, who works on the cameras and, the sound equipment. What a blessing, Lord. And uh, may we continue to glorify and magnify your name and that anyone who's listening to this, if they don't know you, Lord, please turn their hearts, change them, enable them, give them the faith, Lord, and strengthen the weaker Christians, Lord God, and help us to be bold enough to walk alongside and discern those who are around us that need assistance, that need work, and uh, help us as well to more importantly work on ourselves, that we may seek a higher degree of sanctification, be consecrated to your holiness. Again, we want to give you all the praise, glory, and thanks. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.